You're listening to another episode of The Zag. Excited to have 2014 NLC fellow Clint Schaff talking about storytelling, talking about being a part of a world-renowned podcast, which we'll get into. Glad he's here and can make time in his schedule, considering he's famous now, roughly. Let's get to it. All right, Glenn, I'm half kidding about your worldwide fame, but you are involved with the number one podcast in the iTunes store right now. What's the name of it and what's actually going on with it? Yeah, you got it. This is the, uh, it's called Dirty John. This is a story of love, deceit, denial, and survival. Um, it's, it's been reported and written by uh, award-winning reporter Christopher Gofford, and, um, who's done a ton of these great uh, uh, journalism pieces, including, you know, he's the one who broke open the story about corruption in the city of bell where he won the pulitzer like he's he's epic um but what's unique about this one in addition to the great story is we partnered with wondery uh, uh the la times and wondery have partnered to do a, a multi-platform uh journalism miniseries so we have this great story over six parts that we released simultaneously on print online and via podcast and it's doing so really then- well yeah, so was this an idea that already existed before you got to the Times, or was this something you were involved with once you once you started? Yeah, yeah, I was part of the group that has been bringing this uh, from uh, an idea into fruition. I think Christopher was working on the story um, before he had a he had a great story about a year ago called Framed, um, a six part series about uh, uh, crazy stuff that went down in Irvine, um, and then he immediately I think went into this story, from what I understand. But um, the unique part was, you know, a former editor of the LA Times, um, very respected. He, I think, suggested that we try to do this podcast element. We get on board with these uh, great folks at Wondery. Um, they're also a LA-based uh, company, and um, we've been producing this great story. And uh, yeah. does the reporter have to be convinced that this is going to be something that will enhance the story? Or are they skeptical because it's not something that's been tried before? What was the actual reaction? Um, you know, I'm not sure about Christopher specifically, but um, I know he was excited. Most most journalists want to uh, push the envelope. They want to just tell the story in the best way possible. Um, we have journalists here who, uh, you know, historically probably were trained to do, be print journalists. Um, uh, but wherever the best wherever the best way is to tell a story, I think, you know, getting outside of this podcast for a moment, like that's that's a big challenge for institutions like the LA Times. We have we have a great brand, we have great credibility, we have amazing reporters. Um, a lot of legacy, you know, we put out hundreds of pieces of content every day for 136 years, which is pretty remarkable. Um, but what we, what's challenging when you do that so well, and there's so much pressure to do that regularly, there's not a lot of people thinking about, well, which, what medium should we be telling this in? And, uh, increasingly that, that might be podcasts in this case, it might be short films, it might be a television show, you know, who knows? So I'm, I'm one of the leaders over here thinking about how do we, expand uh i guess widen the aperture of the storytelling that we're that we're down with and that we're looking to get out and tell in our communities and then do you have a sense is there one part of the process that's trying to have a little bit one up over the other and by that i mean does the print feel like the podcast will drive to print or the 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 print in the future going forward reporters are going to try to angle their story pitches or their content so that there is a podcast piece which widens the angle like what do you see actually the power dynamics being between all the mediums yeah i don't know about the power dynamics but i, I know obviously we want all the numbers to go up and to the right right <laughs> like we want all the we want is we want to maximize audience and we want to tell you know impactful stories that 
positively change communities or let people know what's going on. Um, so getting outside of printed online is helpful, right? Because we can get to more people if we're reaching people in, across mediums. Um, and is there it a is, big it cost? Is interesting. Yeah, it would just to, to, sorry to address your question though. There are production costs, right? Like, so you're in this case, we're working with Wondery and um, who are expert storytellers. Why we were able to to produce such a it's it not only is it a great story, it's a well produced podcast series. So in house, um, there's several reporters, the LA Times that have ongoing podcasts as well. Pat Morrison has a great series. There's a few sports related ones, and um, no knock on those, but they don't have that expert level production where. They're journalists doing uh, podcasts rather than journalists and podcasters coming together to do a story. Um, so those resources are there, but that's you know a lot of it's me figuring out the business model. How do we how do we make smart bets? And then when we do make a bet, um, how do we properly monetize it so that we can continue to support this important journalism? And then, do you feel like there's only opportunity with this in long form investigative pieces, or could this also be useful in sports could it be useful in other parts of the paper oh yeah absolutely i, I think uh across all kinds of areas um but we know this because there are other really great podcasts that that other paper on the other side of the country um the new york times they have you know their their work with the daily um which is basically it's roughly 20 minute long um briefings every morning is, is really outstanding and i I'm, not, I'm very happy to admit that that's one of the my go-to podcasts um uh, we might go at it differently. I think um, we have we have a lot of strengths as the LA Times that are unique. Um, one of them is that we're surrounded by storytellers. So we've got not only television, film, but music and VR, AR, and podcasting, and influencers, and you know YouTube short form video creators. Um, all these interesting communicators and storytellers here. Um, so how can we tell stories? in those mediums and and with some of those folks at our side, I think is an interesting exploration. Um, you know, so the, the challenge becomes how do we do that in a way that continues to preserve the, I guess, the sanctity of um, editorial and they're, you know, we're going to continue to do the stories that need to be told. Um, and, and sometimes it hurts. Sometimes we do a story on, a large advertiser and that, that that's a bummer. It happens all the time. Um, and uh, it makes it hard on my colleagues over here, but we wouldn't have it any other way because we're going to continue to, you know, tell the right stories. Otherwise, if we lose that credibility, what else do we have? And then is there any concern in your discussions about there being too much content in the same way people are kind of throwing that idea around as it relates to TV and all the streaming services? Do you worry there would be too much podcast content for people to sift through other than listening to yours and listening to this one? Yeah, I mean, it's one of the things we have going for us at the LA Times. There's, there's, we have a credibility and a brand that um, I think people are going to want to listen to what we put out. Um, there's also a lot of arrows pointing in our direction. So if we had a misstep, everyone would love to point that out. <laughs> um, uh, but I, yeah, of course, you have to create content that cuts through the clutter. So this one, Dirty John story, is a true story, 100%. It's, um, you know, expertly reported by Pulitzer Prize winning journalist. Um, it's also a little salacious and pretty interesting. And it's not, you know, it, it ain't, it ain't uh, reporting on, you know, the meetings uh, notice notes at the city council meeting. <laughs> like this is, um, this is juicy stuff. Um, you know, it remains to be seen if they're, if we can develop an audience on some of those more blocking and tackling type topics. Um, but I, I really definitely, want to do some, I guess, basically news magazine type content 
Um, and we're looking at all kinds of different ideas right now. Yeah. And, uh, you know, there were NLC alums who had podcasts or were dab- dabbling in podcasts before we started this one. And it's been fun since this came out to, to see people's interest in it. Uh, what kind of advice would you give to folks who are trying to, to tell stories and that relate to their specific causes or what they're trying to advocate for to actually break through the clutter? What are some one or two things you'd want to for sure see them do? Sure. I mean, one thing that stood out to me a lot, and we had the benefit of an amazing partnership with Wondery, um, is thinking through the distribution piece. So it's it's the story you're trying to tell, you know, especially if you're doing advocacy communications on behalf of a cause or organization. Of course, that's it in your heart. Like you're going to nail that. You're, you want to deliver the message as good as you can, uh, as well as you can. But the in addition to that, you know, if you're, it's like if a tree falls in a forest and it actually fall, you know, and no one heard it. Um, like we have to, you have to get it out there. So one of the best ways to do that is through partnerships and through, uh, with like-minded organizations. So it's, it kind of reminds me of the early days of Twitter or blogging, um, or even nowadays in Instagram where, um, there's, you know, a, a good content creator who has a network of content creators and they support one another. Um, I think that's important in the world of podcasting. If you're trying to go it alone, it might be tough to develop an audience. But if you can find, you know, if you're working in the, um, I don't know, you know, into issues of food insecurity, but you're friendly with five other podcasts that have a similar ethos and, and similar values, and you're willing to promote one another's podcasts, that then you have the chance of getting, you know, five times the size of your audience. And do you feel like longer term, will the most popular podcasts be things that are more produced, like your podcast you described, or like a serial, or will it ultimately be the podcasts of uh, personalities or influencers that people want to follow? Yeah, I don't know. I I guess there's room for both, right? I think, I think, um, I I certainly hope as a leader at the LA Times that people are going to continue to want expertly created and produced stories that come from vetted proper journalists. Um, We know from other social media again, Twitter, Instagram, that um, sometimes people love the love to relate to people who are just like themselves and or are slightly aspirational for them. So I can see I can see a future where all of us have some form of a audio um, footprint. And that's part of how you position yourself professionally, personally, for dating, whatever it might be, that you you let the world know, like, I have a voice, this is the topic I care about. And I and you can, and I'm going to back that up with, you know, six to 600 examples on, on, on a podcast. Yeah. When we come back, I'll ask Clint about some of his past exploits in life. And he also knows a lot about social media, as you can tell. I have a couple of questions for him there. You're listening to The Zag. Stick around. All right, Clint, right now, what, how would you rank your, your social media platforms? Which one do you feel like has the most impact on your, your, your life and the message you want to get out? Hmm, interesting. So um, for myself personally, I, I find myself using Instagram most frequently, using Facebook most strategically, meaning um, I still have still the best collector still best collection of people that I have. And you know, I was just in New York for a business meeting last week and I was able to type in friends who live in New York, everything popped up. It was very easy for me to reconnect with those folks. And then, um, then LinkedIn is really important professionally. Um, but here at, you know, here at work, we, um, the LA times social team leverages Twitter and Facebook primarily to drive attention. And, and we recently did a boxing series online. Um, and without sharing specific numbers, 
you know, we did pretty good numbers on our.com, but um, our Facebook numbers were through the roof. And um, so it's definitely a good place to see your content. So I'd say Facebook's probably number one overall. What, what do you think Twitter isn't adding more followers or feel like it has more of an upward trajectory as a business model? Because I do feel like it's so essential to all the, the conversations that are really firing people up these days. I mean, I think what uh, just is just me as a person saying I, what what I love best about Twitter is also what annoys the annoys me the most about it, which is the um, the the unfiltered conversation. So on the plus side, I there's no algorithm determining whether or not my stuff will get seen. Um, by and large, I can get my things seen by people who are following me challenges. Most people, most people are following far too many people. Um, so I'm just, I'm just a needle in a haystack. And so that, and I think so then people overpost on Twitter to try to get their stuff seen and it just creates this circular mess. Um, also on Twitter, the anonymity, um, of a lot of accounts kind of drives the conversation down, um, it's hard to have a hard to have a con- conversation around anything that's even adjacent to politics, let alone politics itself, without it becoming some you know crazy troll fight. Um, that said, uh, we got to meet people where they are, and and I think if someone's working in the areas of advocacy, um, still have to slug it out on there because and try to find find try to find your tribes or your uh, folks because uh, you know uh, otherwise we're we're just throwing in the towel. And do you feel like Snapchat will be here in five years, ten years? I mean, just given the money behind it, yeah, I'll say yes. I, I, I gosh, if I knew, right, I'd be all over the market making lots of money here and there. I, I'm not, so um, I tend to bet. I tried. I tend to bet against absolutes, and to say that anything's going to go away is kind of an absolute. I mean, I, I, I personally am still someone who buys hip hop records on vinyl. And, uh, and that's dead, right? So-called dead. So, um, I think, uh, audiences just continue to fragment, uh, more and more and more. So most things never really go away. They just might not ever make their promise. Um, so Snapchat, but Snapchat specifically, I mean, I don't have any inside knowledge. I just, I think they're, they're either going to make it or they're poised to be acquired by one of the larger, um, entities like a Google or something. And then, you know, is that, that's still success in my mind. Um, and I, I give big props to them and, and for, for making a big startup here in L.A. Um, and, and helping lead the way with a big IPO. Because whether or not they become the next Facebook or whatnot, um, they've, they're, they're doing a lot for the technology scene here in L.A. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you brought up music because I know that's a, a big part of your life, too. In terms of different venues or places you see music in L.A., I always feel like your, your Instagram and <laughs> Facebook has some cool spots. Any shows you've seen re- recently you want to shout out or, or any venues that you think people should check out that might not be the ones most frequented by folks? I mean, I don't know. Yeah, the uh, I mean, my favorite venues are, are pretty well known. The the Troubadour, um, the Greek Theater, the Hollywood Bowl. Um, there's been pretty good shows in the hip-hop world and the Belasco. Um, but I, I really look, I do like to find, I like to go to shows I've never been to. Like recently I went to a show of Minneapolis artist named POS at, at the, a club called The Union. Didn't even know that existed. Um, so I, and I, and I, I love going to shows in non-traditional environments, like the natural history museum will have concerts or, um, you know, other arts and enter- uh, I guess, corporate venues, the Annenberg photography center in um, century city has, has great shows. Um, yeah. So I like all that stuff. Nice. 
Uh, before we go, anything else you want to plug coming down the pike for LA Times things or personal life yeah, stuff? Yeah, sure. I mean, on the LA Times, if, if you haven't seen the series, check it out at latimes.com slash dirtyjohn, right? or you can find it on applepodcast.com slash dirtyjohn. And um, we're, we are looking to tell stories in more vehicles. We're also launching LA Times Studios, a video um, partnership with a, with a leading um, archival and documentary film group. Uh, more on that later. But we're always looking for great stories to tell. I'm, I'm not a journalist, so I can't take pitches per se. But if anyone um, has ideas on, on partnerships in that area, I'd love to hear from them. And uh, so we can better tell the story of the city. I think I have one pitch of a, of a scrappy Whoa. little... Little, pod, little podcast called the Zag that somehow freeloaded its way into the top ten Apple iTunes stuff because they happen to know a guy. So if that's the story you want to tell, I can give you. That's some excellent. That's excellent. Um, Listen, yeah. Man. Oh, and just one other plug say, for LA Times yeah, stuff. LA Times events. We always have great events. I mean, depending on the time you listen to this, um, we have a View from California event October eighteenth with uh, Nancy Pelosi and some labor leaders and uh, and Bob Hertzberg. Um, that'll be a really great conversation about uh, governance in the state of California in in the midst of a Trump presidency. Um, and we do great events like this all the time in politics, policy, around health, healthcare, education, food, all kinds of different things. So just keep your eye out. Nice. And if people want to follow you on Twitter or Instagram or anything, how yeah. should they? How should on they every you? channel, I'm Clint Schaff, C-L-I-N-T. S-C-H-A-F-F. That's Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, all the good stuff. Awesome. Thanks for joining us, man. And thanks for everyone for listening to this episode of The Zag. You can find us in the iTunes store competing with the LA Times. And you can also find us in Google Play, on SoundCloud, on our website. Catch all past episodes. And thanks for listening to this one. We'll catch you soon.